Text message coming through here. Did you hear the story that many, many years ago there was a massive explosion and when the dust settled, the city of New York was there? That is the equivalent of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is an enthralling story until I realised it was a not real. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody making a point, though. And this is the interesting thing about the particular point that has been made here because the Big Bang Theory is the theory that everything in the universe came about as a result of a Big Bang where nothing exploded. Mm. Um, what I see coming out of this particular text message is that just one human body is infinitely more complex than the entire city of New York. That that is such a good point because I feel like a forget s- the entire universe, just a human body. I think the skeptic could look at that text message and say, like, oh, but we're not talking about a building or a city or whatever. We're talking about you know life that happened through chemicals. And as John Ashton was making the point so clearly. This is like the single most difficult thing to do. The fact that life exists, like the thousands and hundreds of thousands of chain chemical reactions that need to happen to sustain that, it's it's as unrealistic, if not even more, than New York just existing after an explosion. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's see here. We've got some more text messages. This one goes back to... uh, Let me see here. Oh, welcome back, Lyle. Glad to hear you went, your, your camping trip went well. Hopefully you were wearing long trousers. I was, fleece lined. <laughs> Absolutely, it was cold up there. Don't compliment him. I mean. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Anyway, diabetics type, diabetics type 1 and 2. I lost a couple of friends through this sickness. Mm. Not a pleasant life for those who have it. This will be great for those people. This is a really good news story. And we we're talking about uh, stem cell um, research being very, very effective curing type 1 diabetes mm. in this particular instance. Mm. Okay, fusion reaction, Tesla had invented basically free energy last century but was bought out by Rothschild who shelved it. He didn't think it was a good idea to give free energy to the world for the love of money. Tesla, a great inventor, died in poverty thanks to Rothschild. It's very interesting that the whole Tesla story is just a fascinating story. I mean, the guy was a genius. There's no Mm. question about that. And it's a little bit sad to see his brand being, you know, repurposed to just create bucket loads of money when the guy was actually trying to make the world a better place. Yeah, that's right. And there were so many inventions that he came up with that he didn't patent on purpose. Yeah. Because he just... like, no, let's give this to the world. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't see the modern company not patenting again and (laughs) Dude, dude, Elon Musk is like lives in the patent office. Like, oh, well, he's a thre- he's a flamethrower, and he's a battery, and he's a wheel, and he's a like, and he's a rocket, and he's a this, and he's a that, and we're going to monetize everything we do. And I'm the richest man on earth. Like, that's it. And I can fly myself to outer space. Yet, yeah, no problem yeah. at all. Okay, Finland, a man pre- charged for preaching the Christian doctrine. The Catholic Church for centuries had tried to destroy the Bible. People were burned at the stake for having one. Looks like they are actually achieving this by law, as you said. Well, it was law under the Catholic Church as well. Um, as you said, in Europe it's illegal to print the Bible, but the law not active at present. It's only a matter of time. The Bible tells us that the time is coming when you will search for the Word of God from east to west, but will not find it. It's all good news. Jesus is nearly at the door. We are going home soon. Amen. Mm. Praise God. The Bible says, when you see these things, don't be discouraged. 
Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Okay, we got... Um, oh, just really quick. I yep. was just trying to search this tweet up because we're talking about like, talking about like, oh, these energies and, you know, inventing them for free and people capitalizing. <laughs> and there was a tweet from MIT that said, the problem with solar, like solar panels is that they generate a lot of electricity in the middle of sunny days, frequently more than what's required, driving down prices, sometimes even into negative territory so they released this tweet and then someone like you know um retweeted it and like commented on it was like the problem with solar is we can't monopolize the sun or make it scarier than it is (laughs) (laughs) that is so true that is wow what a fact that is gold like it's oh it summarizes our world (laughs) (laughs) we can't monetize it or make it scarier than it is (laughs) <laughs> that is our world. There's a commentary right there. Mm. Okay, uh, this one's for you, Lawson. Oh, okay. Yes. You, you want one of those nice ones like I got, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're for me this morning. Um, okay, so Lawson, before having knee reconstruction, look into stem cell cure. Oh, Freco. man, this person's really following my health journey. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's... <laughs> People Dude, care about you. That's right. Okay. I don't do know you, why. How do I, how do I, are there knee stem cells? Like, I don't know how that works, but. Me either, but it's definitely worth asking the question, isn't it? Because the idea Can with. You just like, shove some, get a needle and shove some stem cells in there and fix it itself. Because like for me anyway, with, with my knee, I'm thinking it's like, you know, an off center kneecap or, you know, maybe stretching of the ACL or, you know lowering of the cartilage i don't know how stem cells would go in and fix that problem because in in the, but how much do you know about stem cells like nothing but there you go well, but, but we you know we saw from the example this morning that it was the stem cells you know switching on the pancreas to get it to work again and so i think with organs and whatnot you know and, and your cartilage disease, is kind of like an organ maybe you can switch on some cells to make it grow more cartilage yeah that's right something like that we'll so we'll see how i'll look into it you will ask i'll just ask i'll the question. be the first one I'll yes. be this. I'll have the stem cell knees, bro. I'll I'll volunteer. All right. I'm glad you're volunteer for science. <laughs> we will we will write it on your tombstone. Oh, he dude, volunteered dude, for science. Dude, just like all the epic like Seventh Day Adventists in World War Two who like gave their bodies for scientific research and like rather than go kill people. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man, that is the coolest story. I I heard it's the coolest story never told. I heard that story through a secular source, and they were like, dude. Seventh Day Adventists, like you know, these. Do you know what Adventists did in the, the First bomb. World War? What they became bomb disposal experts. Wow! Because they did not believe in taking human life, mm. and but they did believe in supporting their country, and so they joined the single most dangerous organization within the military that there was, and they would go around um, defusing bombs and shells. Yeah. The, uh, this podcast I was listening to... Now, not all Adventists did that, and yeah. of course not everybody that was in that particular crew were... Sorry, I'm butting in. Yeah, but, you did. You know, <laughs> we, need, we need to clarify, but yeah, a lot of Adventists did that. And I'm just having a bit of a brag session this morning because, hey, yeah. our station is owned by the Adventist Church, so yeah, why not? we're Adventists. But yeah, I just I was listening to this podcast. I was like from a secular source, and they're like, bro, Adventists are gangster ass. Did you see what they did in the war? Like, they gave their bodies for research and defused bombs and... Yeah, oh, dude, it's epic. Anyway. And became medics. Yeah, so that's me, twenty twenty one. Yes, I wish that I wish that I wish that we were still like that. Mm. I hope to be. I think that I think that there are a lot of us who still are. Mm. Um, but you know, our world is our world is a different place, and it's just a. Yeah. Anyway, Dude, they're, they're, I, I should. 
I should stop. I, w- I would just say this, like, that, you know, this is even though in our context, like, and, you know, our big struggle in the West is like genuinity in our faith. Like, yes, oh, do we this, actually- is, this is right. This is what I'm trying to say. This is what, I- yeah. exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you for rescuing where I was going. <laughs> but it's like, dude, there's plenty of places around the world where Christians are being persecuted and they're holding firm to their belief That's in Christ. That's where you find genuine Christians. That's right. And, you know, we get Etienne McClintock every month on here to talk about that very fact and it's happening. And, and so I think that, you know, although we talk about persecution and how scary it is and, you know, what we're foreseeing in the Western world and through legal precedences and whatever it may be, um, ultimately we're, you know, in one sense it's bad because it thwarts us sharing the gospel in a lot of cases, but in the other sense, it's ultimately giving us the opportunity to have genuine faith yeah. through persecution. So let's look forward to it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about genuine faith. We're talking about that guy that's on trial in Finland right now mm. for his faith is on, on criminal charges. And, you know, he, sta- he he started with a church of 30 people. Wow. Now he's got 30 churches and his own college. You know, Wow. Uh, that's from preaching what the Bible says. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, and this has got what, a, a guy that is what's called the confessional Lutheran, yeah. so an evangelical Lutheran, a Lutheran who believes the Bible, mm. essentially. And your mainline Lutheran church will not exist in by the year 2030. That's so, crazy. So, so the, you know, it's just gone. That's such a good point. It's like same denomination, mm-hmm. same group. Same founder. Same founder. One goes by the Bible, the other doesn't. One grows and one declines. One one starts with a church of thirty and now has thirty churches <laughs> and a college. One starts with groups of millions and it's going to like end not- in end by twenty thirty. <laughs> yeah, dude. I tell you, yeah. there is a massive lesson right there. Mm. Okay, the arguments presented this morning regarding a biogenesis contained a number of logical fallacies. Nick says. There were also a number of misrepresentations of science and atheism. The only thing that has ever proved science wrong is more science. That's from Nick. It's an interesting uh, message that he sent through here. Mm. We will. I, I would like to just put this out to Nick. Um, the logical fallacies that were presented this morning, we would love to hear them. Mm. So rather than just saying there was logical fallacies, tell us what those logical fallacies are so that, you know, either – yourself, myself, or Dr. John Ashton. We're more than happy to pass questions along to Dr. John Ashton mm. to actually answer those questions. And don't just make don't just make out there kind of claims. Yeah. Back them up. Tell us what they are and put them out there so that they can be answered. If they if they can't be answered, then you're you've got nothing to be afraid of. And the point that was made there, science is only being proved wrong by more science. That's the point we were making. That's what the whole. Yeah. That was what the whole interview was about. That's yeah, and, and obviously, like we're people of faith who come from a religious background, and we're talking about how it's like science proving, you know, the science science proving a scientific perspective wrong, and giving stock to a faith based pr- perspective, but that is also rooted and proven by the science that we're observing. You know, yes, no, none of us are advocating, especially jo- Dr. John Ashton, who is like. A literal, like a PhD doctor in chemistry, one of the leading figures in Australia for yes. chemistry. Yes. He's not advocating that we don't use science. No, he's advocating for science, for more science. Yes. So we love science. That's right. That's right. All right. So um, send us through the rest of the information on that one, Nick, and we will address it. We will. We, the, the truth has nothing to be afraid of. 
All right, let's go to our Bible study time now. It is Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 12 to 15. Deuteronomy right. 10, and we will read verse 12 to 15. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? Oh, classic verse. He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, and you live in a way that pleases Him, and love and serve Him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Okay, so... Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff that we can look at in this particular passage mm. uh, right here. So let's begin in verse 12, and let's just start breaking it down. Uh, now, Israel, what does God require of you? To fear God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your whole soul, to keep his commandments mm. and his statutes. Uh, it gives a bit of a list here. Uh and, and this, is a, this is a concept that you're going to find repeated in a number of different places in the Bible. You're going to find it quoted from. You're going to find it even reworded mm. and added to under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, you know, we don't have the, uh, the right to reword something that God has said, but God does. <laughs> yeah. And so let's see what we, uh, what we can actually draw from. Let's, let's look at a couple of other verses that are similar to this that show the relationship between uh, God and his people. So chapter 7 and verse 6, let's flick over there very quickly. Uh, of Deuteronomy? Yes. In chapter 7 and verse 6, we find here where the Bible says, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God of all the people on earth. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Okay, so what is God saying about his people right here? Um, that they are called. They are called to be what? A, his own special treasure. Yes, and a holy people. Mm. Uh, does that mean that nobody else gets called to that? Uh, well, it it mean, it doesn't mean that like everyone is excluded from access to God or salvation or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, Israel here are called to a specific function of you know being God's people. But in terms of being called to be holy. That's like a pretty universal calling that could apply to anyone. Because, Absolutely. Because it's a choice. Yes. And <laughs> even back then it was a choice. Mm -hmm. And it was a calling that went out to the whole world. And we see people responding from around the whole world, responding to the voice of God. But here God specifically speaks to uh, this particular group of people that mm. he has chosen to be his church. Yes. And so how do we apply that today? We don't apply it to the Jewish people. We apply it to God's church. Mm. This is a message to us as members of God's church that God has called us to be a holy people, to be a peculiar people, to be different from the world. Mm. You know, one of the things we have struggled with in Western society, and I was just sort of thinking about this this morning when we were covering that story about Finland, one of the things that we have struggled with in Western society is that we have become so like the world, we have become used to blending in. Mm. We have become used to being invisible. We have become familiar with being able to just go about our daily lives and not look like a Christian. Yes. We've become used to not standing out. Mm. And this has been an, ab this is an aberration in history. Throughout history, Christianity has always stood out. Christianity has always been different. And Christianity has always been persecuted because they stand out and are different. Oh, it's so true. Eh? Like, I, it cast my mind back to you know during the 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 you know the year of the Roman Empire, the first second century, the the rise of the Christian Church, and emperors writing to one another, and and generals writing to another one another about these weird Christians who keep like helping sick and poor people, 
And it's like, what, what's, what's going on? They're like freaking out. They're like, why, why are the poor and like the sick, like alive? <laughs> why aren't they dying? And it's because of these weird Christians who keep helping them. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, the history of this. Yeah, but that's the thing. They always stood out. They were always seen as weird and strange and backwards. Um, but for very good reason. Yes. Rafi texts through to say, I think everyone should read Fox's Book of Martyrs, a real wake-up call. Oof. People who stood out, mm. people who were different, people who were holy. Okay, Deuteronomy 14 and verse 2, let's go over there. Deuteronomy 14 and verse 2. Uh, the Bible says this, You have been set apart as, a holy, as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of earth to be his own special treasure. And this is... You know, this this goes back to the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai. Mm. You know, God's peculiar treasure, God's special treasure. Not peculiar in a weird way, but peculiar in a unique way. Mm. And it's our calling. It's, it's God's calling on each one of us. Let's go to 18 and verse 5. Mm. The Bible says in 18 and verse 5, For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all the tribes to minister to the Lord's people. Okay, so here you've got this whole concept of God choosing a people group for a particular role. Mm. And, you know, you look at our world and we've been able to blend in with our world for so long and we've got so used to being anonymous. Yeah. And just blending in. It's been super unhealthy for us as Christians. Mm. I think I think it's because we often get confused on the line of like representation and and whether we're we're too Christian or not too Christian. And it's like I, I love the example of Jesus because he's like, oh yeah, I'm the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Like I mingle and dwell with the people. Like this is who I am. I'm connected to the world. Uh, yet we yet if anyone was the most Christian person. It was Jesus. It was Christ. Christ. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it was Jesus Christ. And so, like, for us, we need to realize, like, yeah, we can be about our faith and our morals and our belief and, and stand out. Like, Jesus was literally killed on a cross for those things. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, he was loved by the people because this is the thing. It's like, you know, true godliness and holiness leads to... um you know, a love for sinners and and a, and a want to help people, which people in a lot of cases respond to well. And so Jesus was a person who had friends, he had loved ones, he was known by the people, you know, as famous, not in the sense of he was just a celebrity, but he was famous for being good to the people. Um, but because he was, he was literally Jesus Christ, he was the most Christian. And I think that he, that in Western society, you know, we've looked at the example of Jesus, who was somebody who mixed and mingled with the people. Mm. And we have noted that we need to do the same thing. We've then taken that too far in that we've got, to, okay, we've got to mix and mingle with the people. That means that we've got to be like the people. We've got to show the people that we're not weird. And we've become so much like them that we've actually become invisible to them. They can't even see us anymore. It sounds a lot like ancient Israel, actually. It kind of does, yeah, doesn't it? Exactly. They're like, oh, let's yep. mingle with the people. Let's and become they, like the nations around us. And then they all become idolaters and worship rocks. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
All right, so throughout history, Christians have stood out in time of persecution. This is mm. a text message coming through here. This is why God is allowing Christian persecution today, that we may stand out from the rest and, like That's you right. said, separate from Babylon, come out of her, my people. Mm. And this is the challenge, is that we have been so used to blending in that now that we are being, that we are being singled out, and now that people are actually taking note of Christians and what Christians believe, and they're saying, "Well, you know, what Christians believe is is uh, is is hateful," mm. or they're saying, "You know, what Christians believe is you know it's not woke," or uh, you know whatever it might be, then now now we're starting to get a, a light shine, shine upon us. Yeah, and I think it's it's a really unfortunate thing because it's like. You know, of course, the challenge is we're, we're running from the light. Yeah. We're scurrying away like cockroaches and like, no, 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 we're just like you, Oof. as hard as we can, you know, because that's what we're used to doing. There are people, groups who would n- never come out under public persecution, right? Like, for example, like nurses and doctors. Um, they're, they're, they're seen, their job is seen as so altruistic, you know, even though they get paid for it, um, and so necessary and important that they would – I don't – uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If historically there's been, you know, maybe, you know, when nurses go on strike for not getting paid enough and from their company, but for, in terms of public opinion, like nurses and doctors, n- I don't think have ever seen perse- persecution in history um, because, yeah, they're so universally liked and seen as necessary. And I think it's been our issue as Christians because we've blended in with the world so much is we haven't established ourselves as anything more than just a different thought process um, and a different set of opinions, which has now led to the, the consequence of that, which is, oh, well, if we actually don't agree with Christianity, well, we can just get rid of it. When the reality is, and there are many faithful Christians, and I feel like that what Christianity should have established itself out as a, as is in a corporate sense is a necessary, a, a necessary force of social good in the world. But it's unfortunate that we haven't lived up to the light that God has called us to. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, and again, like we also know that we don't, you know, battle flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And there is an enemy who is out there, you know, working against God and working against us and trying to see us persecuted because they don't want people to be saved. But on the other side of that, you know, we ought to look at ourselves and our own example and say, oh, well, as a Christian, have I done my part in, you know, improving people's perspective on Christianity? In Christianity, we have, we have, we have tried too long, and, and and I don't know how far back this goes, but it probably goes back for like ever mm. to be a part of the world. Let me give you an example of how we've done this and how it has stabbed us in the back. Mm. We follow culture, yes, rather than following God. Mm. And when culture was very anti-LGBT+, plus, right? So you go back to the Second World War, culture was very anti-LGBT+, plus, and even right through up until the 90s. Yeah. You know, it was like the mid-90s when LGBT practice was legalised in Tasmania, for instance. Mm. But even through the 80s, you know, as a, as a young kid growing up in school in the 80s, you know, anything LGBT was like a, a, a massive slur. It was a... It was an insult, mm-hmm. uh, all these kinds of things. And so because the world was anti-LGBT, Christians were anti-LGBT as well. Mm. Whereas Christians should have been standing for the marginalised. Yes. 
and extending grace to everybody. And if we had have been, now that that has reversed, Christians would be seen as the ones who championed the cause of treating people as people, mm. regardless of whether you agree with them or not. Yeah. But now what has happened is that the world has changed and, uh, of course, right along with that, we change as well because we want to be like everybody else mm. and we ex- start accepting things that are non-biblical rather than being God's peculiar people that love all people regardless Wow, but still stand for what's right and what's wrong. Mm. And that's that's such a good point because I feel like we just we just follow the world wherever it goes. The case is with many Christians, people who know them, you know, who know, for example, myself on a personal level, they know my opinions. Like for example, my family. Yes. Like they're not Christian, but they know where I stand and they love me anyway, and they because they Exactly they they know that I'm a person who loves people and Exactly and all these different things. Like this is the big point. Um, whereas someone with an outside perspective who doesn't know me just has the perspective of, oh, if if Lawson doesn't agree with what I agree, agree with on this, you know, and, and then he's a hateful person. I, I'm I'm like a hate speech guy. Like yeah. I'm I'm like a, a cultural terrorist and, mm-hmm. and and these kinds of things. And so but yeah, we had such an opportunity to establish ourselves as we did. Oh, even though these people don't agree, yes. You know, oh, but but they're a force for good. That's right. And they love us, and they love, and we, and we, and you know, thank God that He is merciful and graceful to us, um, and that we can repent because we have done an absolute disservice to Him in the, in this respect. Um, in as you've said, yeah, loving all people as people. Ugh. Let's go to First Kings chapter eight and verse twenty-seven. First Kings eight and verse twenty seven. I mean first Chronicles, man. Um First Kings. And we're actually going to draw out from uh, while you're turning there, I'm going to remind our listeners of a passage we read here a minute ago. Mm. And this was in Deuteronomy ten, verse fourteen. Behold the heaven and the heavens uh behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the mm. Lord's. Mm. Your God. And the earth also and all that therein is. So the heaven and the heaven of heavens. Yes. You know, that's 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 like everything out there. That's the cosmos. Mm. All right, let's read it again in First Kings 8, verse 27. First um, Kings 8 and verse 27, the Bible says, But will God really live on earth? Why even the highest heavens cannot contain you? How much less this temple I have built? Okay, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Mm. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 6, the Bible says, You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them and the angels of heaven worship you. And Psalms 148 verse 4. Psalms 148 and verse 4. Just flicking through here. I'm in the Proverbs. Um, Psalms 148 and verse 4. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was wild. What does yours say? Praise him, you heaven of heavens, and you water above the heavens. Yeah, vapor above the clouds. Ah. (laughs) Okay, so the Bible talks about the heaven and the heaven of heavens and Mm. heaven above the heavens. Uh, the Bible also talks about three heavens, the atmospheric heavens, the starry heavens, and heaven where God lives. Mm. And the question is being asked, you know, is God really going to live on this earth mm. when he's created everything that is out there? Here's the thing. God has created 
everything that is out there mm. and he wants to live in your heart. Wow. That's how much he cares for you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. Okay, so the question is, and it refers to a pretty heavy passage, why did the Levite in the book of Judges cut up his dead concubine and send her body parts all over Israel? Okay, this is a really heavy story right here. You'll find it in Judges chapter 19 through to the end of the book of Judges. And the big lesson here is what happens when people turn away from God. And uh, you'll find here that the Israelites had turned very, very far away from God. The fact that this Levite had a concubine to begin with, he shouldn't have had a concubine. He should have had a wife. A concubine is a cross between a slave and a common law marriage or just, you know, living with your girlfriend kind of situation. And it was, yeah, he shouldn't have been there. The, the, the Bible never, ever, ever has a justification for having a concubine. But anyway, here's how the story goes. This guy, he he takes this concubine. She comes from Bethlehem. He comes from Mount Ephraim or somewhere in the area of Ephraim. And she comes and uh, lives with him as his girlfriend, as his live-in girlfriend, as his concubine for a number of mo- number of months. And then she gets homesick, and so she leaves him, and she goes home. She goes home to her dad's house. And, you know, we don't know the story as to why she did this. We, you know, maybe maybe he was abusing her. Maybe she was just a young girl who was underage. We don't know. The Bible describes her as a damsel, or in Old English, that means a young girl. And so there's every possibility back in those days that she could have been underage. But anyway, the long and the short of it is she goes back to her father's house. That would have been quite a journey for her. That would have been, in, 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 been a journey of great difficulty and danger, not something that she would have taken lightly. So I suspect that this particular Levite was not such a great person. Anyway, um, after a while, he decides, well, you know what? I'm going to go and get my concubine back. And so he goes back and he gets his concubine and he's welcomed there by his father-in-law and his father-in-law tries to keep him there as long as possible and he's there for like a week or something or other and eventually he's like, no, we have to go. We have to go back. And so he does, he leaves and he takes his concubine with him and they come to the city of Gibeah. When they arrive in the city of Gibeah, they're going to sleep in the street. They were going to stop at, at, at Jebus, which later, later became Jerusalem, but that wasn't Israelite people. That was Jebusites that were living there at the time. And they're like, no, let's stay amongst our own people. So they're stopping Gibeah. They're going to sleep in the street. That was a little bit dangerous back in the day. And uh, one of the residents comes out and says, look, sleep in my house. Come in, be my guest. And he invites them in, cooks them up a meal. Uh, they're having just a, a great pleasant time together that evening. Um, and then the Bible says... Um, in verse 22, now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the, men of the city, certain sons of Satan, surrounded the house round about and beat at the door and spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, bring out the man that came into you so that we can have sex with him. So that's pretty heavy. 
uh, the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said, No, my brethren, no, don't do so wickedly, seeing that this man has come into my house. Do not do this folly. And so this is Middle Eastern culture. When somebody comes under your roof, you are duty-bound to protect them with your life if they are your guest. And that culture still exists in the Middle East to this day. Anyway, to cut a long story short, because we are running short on time here, we find that they are going to tear the whole house down and kill everybody in it. And so eventually the Levite, he sends out his concubine, this young girl, and says, look, have your way with her. And the Bible says that they rape her and they abuse her all night long while the other men sleep inside the house. So clearly uh, very dishonorable men, uh, particularly this Levite and the man that he was staying with, incredibly far from God and incredibly dishonorable. They abuse her all night while uh, the, the her, her husband effectively is sleeping in the house. And in the morning, she crawls her way back to the house and dies on the doorstep. So she was literally raped to death, gang raped to death. This is a horrific story. The Bible then goes on to say that the Levite cuts her body into 12 parts and sends one body to each tribe of Israel. And the question is, why did he do that? The answer is very simple. This was a shock tactic because you can imagine if a random leg or arm or piece of torso or head or whatever it might be turned up in your tribe amongst your principal cities, you would be asking the question, why is this here? Who did this? Where did it come from? And it gave opportunity for the message to be spread around Israel that the men of Gibeah had done a horrific thing. Uh, and so that was the reason why he did so. He wanted to exact revenge on this particular city. He wanted to exact revenge on the entire tribe of Benjamin. And the Bible goes on to tell the story about how he got his revenge and also how, well, it didn't go so well for the rest of Israel either because Israel was not serving God. This Levite was not serving God. They were very, very far from God. And the whole story is really a story of how depraved human beings can become and how horrific societies can become when they get far away from the Word of God. That's the whole message of this story, is this is where human nature will end up when you reject the Word of God. Which brings us to the end of the breakfast show. We have enjoyed your company this morning. Well, we remind you of this every morning and we will never stop doing so because it is so crucial to spend some time just you and Jesus alone today. And of course, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith and grow stronger in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.